Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Is it right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let's go again. Perfect. COVID-19 is the biggest pandemic facing humanity in more than a century. One year in, and we are still looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. Models and data have played a very crucial role in this response. In this special podcast series, we'll be talking to our fellow researchers from NSAC at the Biocomplexity Institute, University of Virginia. The team has been tirelessly supporting COVID-19 response in the U.S. at the local, state, and federal levels. And in this episode, we'll be talking to Shemek Farovsky and Parantapa Bhattacharya about the software pipelines that keep the models running. Hi, I'm Srini Venkatramanan. And I'm Erin Raymond. Let's go talk to the COVID chaser. Hello, my name is uh, Przemek Pochemski, and uh, I previously working in biophysics as a software developer in structural biology. I moved to Biocomplexity Institute a year ago, just before the pandemic took off in the US. And that was quite natural for me to get started on new projects that are closely tied to the response uh, to the pandemic. And uh, currently I'm uh, working on development and uh, uh, run the models uh, developed in the um, institute. Hello, my name is Porantopo Bhattacharya. I am a computer scientist. I'm a postdoc with the group and I've been with the group for just over three years now. Like, so currently for the COVID response stuff, I work with like, you know, larger part of the group. So we have a well-known simulator called EpiHyper and, but it's a large project that needs to execute it in a regular uh, fashion, you need like multiple people helping with it because there is like multiple pieces to running it. So I'll come to it later. I think we will discuss more about it. But I work with that pipeline. I help uh, the group get stuff running and document stuff and analyze the data that comes out of it. Yeah, we, we have separate episode where we also talk about the computational models. And so this one we want to understand like because I think models and data have been very crucial for how people have uh, responded and even understood what's happening with the pandemic. So uh, we wanted to see like what it takes to run these models like day after day, week after week. And uh, uh, so that that's the focus of the episode. Maybe uh, both of you can touch upon like uh, what are the challenges and like how, how do you see that act of uh, running these models, like the pipelines that constantly keep changing? <laughs> So the challenges uh, running running the models, like for me, they're like major major challenge is that they're like constantly changing requirements. We are working in uh, agile development uh, mode uh, remotely, and uh, and uh, like that makes that makes like uh, relatively hard to quickly quickly adapt to the um, to the changes and we running the and, and changing the models weekly and um, with with uh, like many moving elements so um, brainstorming uh, like synchronizing remotely is 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 a major challenge 
still even like one year in, into that. The other, the other issue, like the other challenging part uh, is data that is also constantly changing. So we need to like all, always like we adapting to the, to the changing data streams uh, weekly. And we are still again, like year into, into, into pandemic, we still do not have many types of data that will be very beneficial for the modeling that we do. Yeah, I think that those are very important challenges to highlight. Uh, Parantapa, you want to add on the more uh, detailed model front? I think Shamik covered a lot of the stuff. So the part of the challenge with COVID has been like, you know, we have, everyone has moved to their house and it's like, it's, it's a different environment. It, it takes some time to get used to. On a technical side, the challenges are similar. So like we are, the systems that we run to provide the forecasts and generate these like, you know, uh, forecasts are large and complex and there are lots of pieces. So we have data sets from which we generate um, like our synthetic populations. The challenge has been, it's a continuously, as, as you, we are a research group, right? And as such, well, the code that we are writing is very novel and it's not like we are not doing the if you're in a software shop for example like you know you have relative understanding of okay this is how the work we are putting in and this is how much time it takes it's a general software engineering problem but when you don't have a repeated model right when you are every project is new you're developing a new piece of software and getting data from different places as you 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 develop and you get information as you go right and so the input changes and that changes the whole pipeline as we get new input we adapt to the input and so the the method that we use to run our jobs changes over time we have pipeline and one of the things that we do is we run stuff on high performance computing clusters right and so that is a different challenge in itself because High performance computing clusters like the supercomputers are expensive, right? So you cannot have it available all the time for experimentation. So when your code produces something that is unexpected, it takes quite a bit of turnaround time to like, you know, go back, change, figure out what failed, the input failed, the configurations you used failed. Was there something in the uh, you know, this actual simulation that was a bug or was there a problem with the infrastructure? So the variability increases and the lack of availability of those things uh, makes it hard. But I would have to say like, I would still prefer to work in this kind of a scenario because, you know, just running stuff on hundreds of thousands of CPUs is fun from a technological standpoint. So yeah so you talked about how fun it is to run you know all run all this stuff on all the nodes right does it change when you know that what you're running that's real people even though it's a simulation it's affecting real people in real time so does that i don't know does that add a layer to it yes and no uh the yes bit is you know, when you talk to people and you say you're doing something of practical significance, it feels good, right? But then again, uh, when you come back and think about it, it's a little bit of responsibility, right? So 
there will be so one of the things i used to say is one good thing about not being a doctor is i can write bad code and worst case my code crashes and no one gets hurt a doctor cannot say that right you know <laughs> right. there are but right. when you are doing stuff like this um there is you you feel there is a possibility that you know if the simulations are wrong the predictions are wrong there might be long term effects but that said i think we are quite a few steps separated from the actual you know impact on people and there is i i i take some comfort in thinking like we are not the only group right so the policy makers have input from multiple places and they should look into like you know multiple inputs before making any any impactful decision uh, i i generally agree with parantapa uh, the another factor in that is like we are we are making the forecasts and predictions in a very time sensitive manner so that that puts another um not the burden but like additional like weight on it so we need to finish like allocated time we need to respond to we need to respond to the changes in the current situation in uh, in a very limited time and like that and knowing that it will be used to to make some decisions uh like rather motivates uh, to to do the best um, right. to, to get the best outcomes in uh, in uh, in this specified uh, time which like helps with the crunch yeah i think uh, both of you brought up a very important point so as people who develop models and also people who run them on large scale systems uh, you might be quite removed from uh, people who are actually communicating it or even using that for decision making sure but i think one of the strengths that a group like this provides is you at least have folks at each stage of the spectrum so you get to communicate uh, internally before it gets out and uh, all the assumptions that go inside either the model building or the way we do analysis uh, do get filtered out uh, in some sense and you do have the feedback loop so maybe you can talk about what it is to do something like this you've already highlighted a lot of the challenges of running these week to week and working on big systems but the people aspect of it working in a big team brings its own advantages and disadvantages especially doing it remotely i think shemek especially uh, a lot of folks that work with you haven't even spent time physically with you because you joined maybe february of 2020 and we just went back home in march so maybe you can talk to that how how is it working on this big team effort so that was really hard at the beginning uh, like when i joined like you start to work remotely with people you do not know like we do not have like we didn't have like established uh, work patterns uh, both like ourselves and and then between each other and being a new member of the team like it it make make it hard for me to to um integrate at the at the beginning uh, that was that was uh something i i have to say like i struggled uh initially but like we 
I think like found we, we found like good means to to communicate. We found uh, uh, and and we are going forward. So Parantapa, maybe uh, because especially this is your first big foray into like ep epidemic science support. Like you were working on more social science and uh, online social networks aspects of it, and suddenly roped into helping this side of the <laughs> pond. So like maybe you can talk to some of that and also uh, working with the team remotely. Yeah, so I previously I was working on uh, the social sim project, which involved doing social simulations, and the goals there were very different, right? It was basically try, it was a research task, which was uh, purely general research, and the questions were, what can be done with social media data? What can be like? Can you uh, predict the social media behavior over things? And but as you said, this is like a slightly the I wouldn't say slightly very different from this work where the impact was purely research based, whereas for this project it's policy that's going to be developed based on this simulation, so I, I was fortunate that you know I was brought in a bit late into the system so already some of the difficult decision making and difficult like you know architecture stuff was decided so when i came in there was relatively speaking a stable background or platform on top of which i was uh making my contribution so so it wasn't that hard for me because i think the time crunch period where like the most uncertainty uh period was already taken care of so i think shamik had a more you know blunt experience with this process than I did. Uh, yes, like it was deep dive uh, for 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 me. Like uh, starting, like I did have a different background uh, in in biophysics, and then started working on epidemiology with uh, with a new team. With uh, was really really hard at the beginning to communicate like requirements and uh, the the specify uh, goals, which were like changing rapidly that was uh, quite quite intense or is quite intense it's still quite intense <laughs> it is intense but it's like the intensity that like i think like i'm got to i'm used to that intensity right now as you, you it's predictable intensity right now yes like the delivery cycles have stabilized the um, we are pretty good right now at uh, anticipating like the future requirements so so like the pipeline that that uh, i'm working with like is is stabilizing the many many separate pieces are converging uh into into like broader like ecosystem i think at least for me it's like much easier than it was at the beginning yeah so looking back over the last year, um, what would you say were some really high points for you? Some, some moments where you thought, yes, the thing worked, or, you know, this is so great, everything's coming together. It could even be in terms of how you coped with the pandemic. Like, I think it's just about reflecting on the last year of, uh, like both the technical and the non-technical aspects and the good thing and bad thing about being separated by multiple steps from the like you know doing of simulation versus delivery uh, that has the good part of you know you're not immediately attached to things but you know has also 
you don't get the highs as much because you're not seeing it. You're detached from the endpoint, right? So you don't have the lows, you don't have the highs that much because obviously, uh, so I would say it was, it was not so much highs and lows. It was a slow grind that you get used to. Right. Because it's difficult to judge. So for right. example, the simulation that we did, in measuring the impact is hard. Of course, we are getting like, you know, research papers, we are getting acknowledged by uh, like authorities and those are all nice to nice things to happen. But, you know, yeah, but it came at a pretty steady state. So I would say, I wouldn't say I would, I can't pinpoint a specific high or low during this thing. All right, maybe some days just suck less than other days, right? And some days are better than other days, <laughs> especially when a paper gets accepted. <laughs> right? There's some highs. How about you, Shamek? There are better and 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 worse days. Yes, and uh, well, I, I think I, I think like it's it's getting better and better uh, in general. Like so so as, as Pratnapa mentioned, like we are quite detached from the from the uh, like final product so uh, it's it's it more it's it's more related to our like personal feelings about like the the current situation about the workload workload and uh, i think that's that improves and uh, and uh, because we we are just better and better so yeah, that's all right. Sounds fair. We're getting better and better. That's always good. Okay. Well, that um, about wraps us up for today. We will definitely chat with you again to do a deeper dive on the technical side. We just wanted to kind of get this overview of the group. So we really thank you guys for participating. Thank you for having us. Thank you. All right. That's it for this episode of COVID Chasers. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, go to our website, biocomplexity.virginia.edu forward slash NSSAC, NSAC. Or follow us on Twitter at UVA underscore NSAC. Stay safe and see you next time. On the next episode of COVID Chasers. It's not so much that you're worried about making the stuff work. I was confident that we would make the software work, but you don't like to see all of these resources that other people want to be using sitting there idle waiting for you to make it work. 